0: All right, it's time for another Money Matters Monday. Hope everyone is gonna tune in for this one today. We're gonna talk about different FAFSA changes. So, starting off that everyone knows, well, everyone should know that the FAFSA is the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. And so it's just basically the form that every senior should complete and that is going to help them get financial aid for college. So one positive thing is that the class of 2024, they're gonna have an easier time completing the FAFSA because the Department of Education is simplifying it. And this is going to be the first class of graduating seniors to use it. So that's why instead instead of being available October 1st as it usually is, it's not gonna be available to December. So first off, the questions will on the FAFSA are going to be reduced from 108 questions down to about 48. And for some people, it may only be 36 questions because it's just a bunch of financial information um, that you're going to have to report from the IRS, like your tax records. Um, also, they're changing the formulas to see who really qualifies for financial aid and how much they will receive. And the changes all of this is going back to like 2020 when they actually passed these laws for the changes to become effect and now they're becoming effect. So the pro- the goal is to make the process easier but <laughs> you know there's going to be some kinks in the system because Again, the form is only going to be available in December. And that's like three months later than what it usually is. And then like usually parents and students have had time to complete it because most colleges, universities don't have deadlines until like, you know, early January, but now since the form is available early December, the parents and students are going to have to really work together to meet those deadlines. Um, Also, with the new formulas, they are going to emphasize wealth instead of cash flow, what people will receive, and there's going to be a lot of people who are in that middle, that gray area, because Um, A lot of people are going to be receiving a lot less financial aid, especially if they have more than one child in school or they own a small business. So let's just dive right into some changes that people should expect. So, um, number one, the parents and the students have to create a student aid account to get a FSA ID before completing the FAFSA. And FSA ID is just a username and password for the account. So you're also going to have to let three business days pass um, with um, the Social Security Administration has to verify the FSA IDs before the tax information can be loaded into the FAFSA portal. And students and parents have to log into the FAFSA portal separately to complete each of their respective sections, which is new because usually the student would just log in and complete all the forms with the parents' information, the parents' help. Um, another kicker is that if, you're, if the parents are divorced or separated, the parent who provided the most financial support in the last calendar year will have to complete the FAFSA. Again, if the parents are divorced or separated, whichever parent provided the most financial support in the last calendar year will have to complete the FAFSA. And so another i talked about this earlier. It's like the number of students a family has enrolled in college is no longer a factor into the FAFSA calculation. And lastly, family farms, small businesses are now going to be part of the application. So how are these things going to negatively affect you? Number one, um, your time to complete the FAFSA has been cut like more than half. So the final deadline is going to be... Um, around June 30th and that's a long deadline you know but with colleges and universities some of their like first financial aid deadlines are in January so you want to be like in that first group to get the most financial aid possible right and so hopefully you know state other institutions will be like okay let's move these deadlines back a little bit right um the expected family contribution which has been the standard of like you know that determines how much financial aid you get because it just gives you like a series of numbers it's now becoming the student aid index which is SAI and it's still going to be subtracted from the cost of attending but um, it's no longer going to be divided by the number of students a family has in college so let's say you have a brother and a sister that are going to college and let's say the EFC number was like 20,000 last year. Right. So uh, traditionally you would take that 20,000 and divide it by two because you had two kids in college. Well, now they're not doing that anymore. Like you're going to expect to contribute 20,000 per kid for a total of 40,000, which is a lot. And that's where I was saying that a lot of people in the middle are possibly going to be in that gray area where they're now going to be eligible for less financial aid so the again the amount of aid that these students may be eligible for it may be cut like in half you know thousands of dollars so like if there's one sibling in college now it may be okay like let's say if there's like a gap between you like we have a child that's like a senior and then you have one that's incoming you know once that older one that's a senior leaves you know these new rules won't really affect you as much (coughs) excuse me all right so mainly we're going to see these differences with families with um, AGI remember AGI is your adjusted gross income Um, around 60,000 And if they own small farms, small businesses with fewer than 100 employees, they're going to have to include that as part of their financial assets on the FAFSA, which is kind of ridiculous, but this is where they're targeting wealth and not exactly your cash flow. So let's just say a family, well, this is an example, a family with a farm, they have Valued at one million, would be expected to contribute more than seventy-six hundred towards an education. So, but under the new rules, that same family would be responsible for more than forty-one thousand, and that's possibly going to make a lot of students ineligible for some federal and state aid programs, and probably more reliant on student loans at this point. But there are some benefits to these changes. So, number one, um, you're going to have Well, after this year, you're going to have more time to complete the simpler form. Again, this is the first year, so it's going to be a lot of, you know, kinks to work out in the system. Um, Hopefully, with this shortened process, they are estimating that it will increase people who actually go to college because they'll actually be willing to fill out the FAFSA. I know when every year I had to fill out the FAFSA, I hated it. So, um, a study by Nerd Wallet found that the high school graduating class of 2018 missed out on approximately $2.6 billion in federal aid because a lot of the eligible students did not complete the FAFSA. Um, definitely, lower. another benefit, lower-income families will be eligible for more aid under the formulas. And that includes, like, they're having larger protection allowances. Protection allowances are just... What you like, your cost of your daily living expenses, and those are excluded from your financial aid eligibility formula. So it's not really taking into account your cash flow. Like, yeah, you're bringing in, you know, $2,500 every two weeks, but how much of that money is going towards bills, you know? Like, they're, um, I think they're, I think it's 20% for parents um, and 35% of students that they're disallowing and not requiring you to put in a form. So that could be pretty substantial depending on how much money you're bringing in. Also, there are automatic Pell Grants based on your income and household side. So any families making less than 175% of the federal poverty line will receive the maximum award. And then there will also be minimal grants for students if they're like in the any percentages after that, like 275%, 350%, or 400% uh, below the poverty level. And that just also depends on the household structure. So it's gonna make it easier for a lot of people and quicker for to know that they're eligible for financial aid. And let's see, lastly, oh, uh, here's another biggie. Um, For people, incarcerated students and students who have been convicted of drug related offenses, they're going to be eligible again for financial aid because as you know, if you have certain things on your record, you're eligible for financial aid but that won't be the case anymore. And then um, also there is going to be negative contribution scores. Uh, Traditionally, the EFC would just show zero and that was just like, oh, this family's not projected to be able to contribute anything to this education. And that would usually get you the highest Pell Grant, which was cool. But um, now the contribution amounts could be as low as minus 1500 And then although financial aid can't exceed the cost of college attendance, the negative score could help you, could help the college pick out who are the neediest students. Like, you know, for example, like work-study. Uh, you may be more easily to get into that program. All right. So we're not going to go through this whole presentation, honestly, because um, if you can see, it's 246 pages. Yeah, we're not going to go through all of this. But this is just a form preview that is straight from the Federal Student Aid website. I am going to go over the overview. I'm going to talk about the dependent student invites the parent. And then we are going to jump th- these sections because these are special sections. And then we're going to go to the summary. All right. So this is if you are a dependent student invites your parents. If you are, d- typically the rule is you are a dependent student. If you are under 24 and you receive more than half of your um support from your parents and that is a uh that is an and statement like you are under 24 and you receive there are some people you like if you are supporting yourself like fully with no support from your parents but you're up under 24 you can typically like appeal to be seen as a independent student, like for example, students who like have no contact with their parents, you know, this may make them eligible for financial aid, but no, they can say like, hey, no, I've been providing my aid since I was like 18. I left home. There's a process you're going to have to go through that touch base with your institution, education, where you want to go to. All right. So dependent student invites a parent. So this is going to be what the form landing page looks over here to the right. So you're going to go see 2024-2025 FAFSA form. You're going to start a new form probably if this is your first time. But if you're, you know, second year, third year in school, you can do the um, edit existing form. But for these purposes, we're starting a new form. All right. So then this is where we get to the login. So you start a new form. You are going to log into your account. Uh, chances are, if you don't, if you've never logged onto Federal Student Aid, you're going to have to create an account down here. But also, uh, try to pick a password that you remember because the lost, forgot my password thing is ridiculous. Of like what ha- type of stuff they have you answer to get back into your account. So try to pick a password that is easy to remember. Next, you're going to say I am starting the FAFSA form as either a student or a parent. Remember one of the sections was a parent starting for the student, but for these purposes of this, we are starting the form as a student. All right, so then you're going to go through your student onboarding. There's going to be little videos you're going to have to watch. Um, And you're just going to click like continue through here. This is just just on general onboarding to get you registered on the FAFSA website. Okay, so page 204, this is contributions to the FAFSA form. So this is where you're going to have to invite your parent, pay close attention, you're going to need tax returns. probably going to need records of child support if any current balances of cash savings and checkings accounts if you have any investments businesses and farms we talked about that earlier and it tells you how to invite you're going to log they're going to have to log in with their own fsa id all right next third page what to expect how long would this take one hour I know. So make sure when you're filling out this form, I would say block out at least two hours of your time because you never know what will happen with the website. It may crash or something. So I'll say, make sure you're blocked out two hours to complete this. So every contributor must provide consent for you to be eligible for federal student aid. With your consent, we can obtain your federal tax information automatically from the IRS. Okay. So this is another change. So previously, You have been able to like manually input your tax information and not use the IRS tool. Now you are required to do the IRS tool. And if you are a person that does not file your taxes, this is going to, it's going to be another kink in the system because you're going to have to explain why you do not file your taxes. But if you do, do not, if the parent does not file taxes, like, I don't know automatically off the top of my head what type of recourse that would um, whatever that is for that situation but definitely get in contact with your with the school organization you're looking to attend and talk to them because they will have more expertise about that all right So dependent, and then we're on page four. So after submitting the FAFSA form, you'll need to check on the status of your FAFSA and make any corrections. So the form will be processed in one to three days. You're going to receive a submission summary, and that's going to include your SAI, your student aid index. And that's just the number used to determine your federal student aid eligibility. And then your schools are going to use this SAI number to create your financial aid offer. Here's another thing on the FAFSA you used to be able to only list up to 10 schools. Now you're going to be the list up to 20 schools. Like if there's like 20 schools that you would like to attend and you want to see what financial aid you're eligible for, then I say go for it. List. Um, I would say list up to five minimal if there's not 10 or 20 that you're interested in. All right. So then we got the student identity information. This is just your demographics, your name, date of birth, social security number, email address, mobile phone number. That is pretty standard. This is also your permanent mailing address. Most people use their parents if you know they're a college student away from home. Your legal state of residence, that is where you legitimately receive mail. I know for um, certain college students, they have fought to get in-state tuition. And that is like, you know, it's hard. You have to fight to get it, especially if you move. You're getting mail there. You know, the school's like, well, how? I don't know. You're not just going to leave and go back home. Like, how is this now your legal residence? So if you ever think about doing that, it's a little bit of a fight with your school. All right. So then. Um, dependent student provides consent this provide consent or you're going to be ill eligible for federal student aid this is where they're going to have to get your federal tax information now if you don't work you don't pay taxes you're not going to have you know a tax return to provide and this is just continued blow this up a little bit there we go frequently asked questions section all right, so then we have dependent personal circumstances. So, this is like, are you married? Um, your plans for college, any other special circumstances you may have? And, you know, these types of things may affect your aid eligibility. You know, see the parentheses including if you've been homeless or at risk of becoming so. Marital status single, never married, married, never separated. Remarried, separate, divorce, widow, the standard ones. All right, yep, they ask about your student college and your career school plans. If you don't know, it's totally fine. But, you know, if you're a first year, second year, you answer that truthfully. And will they have your first bachelor's degree? Typically no in this situation. And then here's personal circumstances. Like, see if you're a veteran. Anytime since the student turned 13, they were awarded of the court. They were in foster care. These get into more specialized circumstances. Like this one, they were in legal guardianship or someone other than their parent or step-parent. Like if you were with your grandma. Okay, here you go. Anytime, this is homelessness. Unusual circumstances. This is what I was talking about earlier. You're left home due to abusive or threatening environment been a victim of human trafficking? See, do any of these circumstances prevent from contacting their parents or would contacting their parents pose a risk to the students? If this is you, you're going to say yes. If not, continue on. All right, so then, They're going to give you a dependency status based on your answers. So see, you're a dependent student. We assume parents of dependent students will help pay for their education if they're able. So then they're now this is where they're going to pull in information. About your parents. So are the student parents unwilling to provide their information, but the student doesn't have an unusual circumstance that prevents them from contacting or obtaining their parents information. If yes. Then the financial aid administrator is going to determine their eligibility for a direct unsubsidized loan. But if no, this is where we get into talking about your parents section. And then, you know, they're going to ask questions like, are your parents together? Are they divorced? Are they separated? And then you have to invite them into the actual FAFSA form. They're all about demographics, your gender, are you transgender, your race, your ethnicity? Are you a US citizen? Did your parents attend college? Was your parent killed in the line of duty? High school completion status? All of these are pretty basic things that you should be able to do. But just to give you a showing. All right. And then this, they want to know your high school information. You have to confirm your high school information. Then we're going to get into your finances. They want to pull in your 2022 tax return. They want to know about if you have any assets, like your cash, savings, and checkings accounts. And then you're going to select your colleges that you want to send. Again, you can send up. See here, four of 20 schools have been selected. You can send up to 20. Here, students can select. And then you can arrange them like, you know, if you want to, like this is my number one pick, my number two pick, if you want to. All right, so now this is the review page. We've went through this. You've shared it with your two contributors, with parents. Then you're going to sign and complete your part. You sign it, you confirm that Everything that you have put on this form is accurate. If you purposely give false or misleading information, you may be fined up to $20,000 sent to prison or both. It is not worth it, please be truthful. All right, so then upon signing the student section, you get this little nice little screen and then it's going to tell you what are the next steps, include you like tracking your FAFSA form. So now you Um, the parents turn to complete their sections. And then this is just what you need to do next. All right, so your email is gonna look similar to this. They're probably gonna update it, but first it's gonna be like, hey, this student can't be eligible for federal student aid without your input, help them complete the FAFSA. So if you get an email like this, I'm pretty sure it's going to change by then. This is probably just a view. All right, so then the parent's is turn is going to get to log in. Again, if they do not have a FSA ID, they are going to have to create an account also. Then they're going to go to My Activity page. And here you can see the first thing pops up. You've been requested to be a contributor for Raya Tran. You're going to hit Get Started or Decline Invitation if you're that type of parent. but it just provides all this page is going to tell you about what does it mean being a contributor to the FastFill form and frequently asked questions. So onboarding, same thing. You're going to get a nice little FastFill overview video. It's going to talk about da-da-da, what to expect. It may take an hour. I'm just going through this. Okay, yeah, this is parent information. Okay, the parent is going to provide consent, or the student will be eligible for federal student aid. Same as the student, they're collecting your demographics. Are you married, not separated? Where you legally reside? What state? They pull in your information section. I know I'm going, I'm zooming through this, but it's just like pretty basic stuff. Here we go. They ask about federal benefits, like if you're on food stamps, SSI, uh, Medicaid, federal housing assistance. All right, we get into the tax filing season. Um, they are asking, did you file a joint return or did you file a, you know, married but separated, or yeah, is either married filing separately or joint return. Okay, if the family size different from the number of individuals claimed on their 2022 tax return, you would say, this is like if you have more siblings, because it's just, or if it's just you and your parent, you would say no, but if there's more than one, it's like, yes, it's a parent, there's another parent, there's a student, and then there's another child. Oh, this part right here. They asked who live in a parent who would see more than their half support do not include the student applicant. That's like another sibling. All right, Uh, how many in college? Do not include the parent in this number. So they would just have one. Then they start asking questions about the 2022 tax return. If you don't know, you can hit don't know. The earned income tax credit is like for lower, low income people. Okay, amount of college grants, scholarships, or AmeriCorps benefits reported as income to the IRS. Chances are this may be zero. Um, This is like, you're not first-time applicants, probably. This is going to be like, this is your second year. All right, parent uh, talks about their assets, if they have any investments, if they have businesses, real estate, just... Anything would go in there. And remember, they disallow a portion of it. And they're going to check this information on your tax return. So do not lie. All right. We're going to bring in the other parent. Da, da da And then we take a moment to review before signing. Same thing. Any false or inaccurate information that was intentional. Has to be intentional. Could get you a fine. All right. So that is it for that part. Trying to skip ahead. Jumped too far. Okay, so this is after everyone has completed their respective sections. We're gonna see this nice little submission summary landing page, so. We see the application was received. We see that it was processed and it has a data release number. So now we're gonna go to our eligibility overview. This is where we can see the Pell Grant, direct loans and work study. It says you may be eligible. This is the Pell Grant that is awarded. And then these are the direct loans that you are eligible for, but you have to repay with interest. All right, so your SAI number is used by your school to determine your federal student aid eligibility and to build your financial aid offer. So you see this person's was negative 355, and that's why they were awarded up to that 4,500 number. Okay, you can also um, look at your forms and say, oh, I made an error. You can hit this, make a correction, like, you know, if you forgot to leave off a personal circumstance or something. All right, this is where you can also look at the school informations tab. You can, as you can see, you can find an affordable school because many schools, you know, they'll offer an opportunity to attend affordably, you know, if you're within like low income, mid income family. It really just depends. All right, so next steps you're going to correct any errors on your FAFSA form. Make sure your schools have everything they need and look out for aid-related communications from your school. And then there's going to be more resources tab over here to the right. You can visit your aid summary to see it all at once. And then keep in mind, this is only an estimate. You have to refer to your school's financial aid offer for a final determination. All right, and we also have to talk about loans because you're also going to be eligible for them. So let's say like, yeah, you can get your tuition covered, but you got to think about housing, books, whatever course keys you may need for your institution. got to think about apartment maybe, and, you know, working also in college that you may not want to work, you know, so many hours you want to focus on your school. So loans are a good way to supplement that cost of gap. of like, yeah, my tuition may be covered, but what about the et cetera's? Okay, so if parents are un- unwilling to provide their information, the student would only be eligible for a direct unsubsidized loan only. Uh, these are just other circumstances, like if they were risk of being homeless and stuff. And I think that was it. Yep, that was it. All right, so going back, stop share. All right, so that is it for Money Matters Monday. Hopefully, that's going to be helpful. I am going to put the link of this PDF in the comments so people can refer to it later. So you can probably use that as a step-by-step guide when you are actually applying for the FAFSA come December. And also if you have any questions, please reach out to your financial aid office. They are the ones who are going to be more trained in this and they're actually going to know and to help you. If you are undecided of where to go, then I highly recommend going to a community college First two years, knock out basics and then transfer to a university because a lot of community colleges will just give out scholarships to anybody. And I mean, almost anybody, if you have a certain grade is also good if there's like a certain school that you want to get into, but you don't necessarily have the grades or anything behind you for that. Community college can be like your makeup to get your GP, get a good GPA and then try to transfer in. All right. I'm going to let y'all go. Everyone have a good night.